The scripture for today comes from John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You, also have, you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Welcome to this special Monday morning chapel that begins Holy Week this week. I light this lamp as a reminder of God's presence with us in this worship space and in our lives. I wonder why Jesus risked his life and possibly the life of his friends by going back to the house of the man that he resurrected. In the previous chapter, chapter 11, we read that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and then went into hiding into a small town called Ephraim after the Jewish leaders had planned to put him to death. So why now? Why return to basically the same place that got him into trouble in the first place? I wonder why Lazarus would help host a man for dinner with a death sentence. Was this dinner an act of gratitude for Jesus raising him from the dead? A nice way to say thank you. Or having already flirted with death, was Lazarus more risky and courageous about his faith? And so being a friend of Jesus, he decided to go ahead and invite him, even though this act of hospitality might bring trouble onto himself and to his sisters. In fact, a few verses after the passage that Sarah read, it says this, the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well. It would seem that being a friend of Jesus is risky business, but it also seems that helping Jesus as he ushers in the reign, the dream of God on this earth needs courageous followers. Jesus himself made a calculated move of choosing when to come out of his hiding place. 
to once again publicly move about the leaders and the people that were out to get his neck. In this passage, we encounter three other characters. Martha, Mary, and Judas Iscariot. Just as it was a courageous decision by Lazarus to help host Jesus for this dinner, it also took courage for Martha and Mary to also co-host this daring act of love. At this dinner event, we can visualize the places of the three hosts. Lazarus was at the table with Jesus. Martha served and Mary at the feet of Jesus, anointing his feet and wiping his feet with her hair. We learn that this perfume could have sold for 300 denarii, approximately the equivalent to a year's salary of an average wage worker. Now, I wonder where Mary got her perfume and how she purchased this. Did she, a woman in first century Palestine, have a job? Was the perfume someone else's? I wonder what was going through Jesus' mind having a woman, albeit a friend, anoint his feet with costly perfume and then wipe his hair, wipe his feet with her hair. Granted, I am a male living in 21st century America, but if a woman approached me to do that with my feet and her hair, it'd be weird. I'd be a little uncomfortable with that. I wonder what kind of impact this had on Jesus personally when Mary wiped his feet? Did it emotionally move him as he was moved in the previous chapter when he saw Mary and the others crying over the fact that Lazarus had died? Jesus was moved and he said, Lazarus, come out! And he raised him from the dead. In a few short days, and in the next chapter of John, chapter 13, Jesus will be bowing down and wiping the feet of his disciples as part of the last meal that he would have before his trial and crucifixion. I wonder if the courageous decision to host Jesus in their home by Lazarus, Martha, and Mary right before Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem helped move Jesus to want to host some kind of a last meal with his own disciples. I wonder if Mary's courageous act of faithfulness and love toward Jesus helped move Jesus to then wipe his own disciples' feet. In this passage, I believe that Mary is an example of faithfulness and a faithful follower of Jesus through her anointing his feet, particularly when she is contrasted with Judas Iscariot, identified in this passage as both a disciple of Jesus and a thief. I wonder what was going through Judas's mind at this dinner. He too would have gone into hiding with Jesus after Lazarus was raised from the dead. Was Judas glad to reemerge into the public with a man with a death sentence? Or had he wished that Jesus stayed in that town where nobody really was out to get him, all was quiet, could move around, do whatever you do. The writer of John doesn't tell us what was going through Judas's mind, but the writer of John does tell us that this is the Judas that betrayed Jesus. This is the Judas that did not care for the poor. This is the Judas that stole from the common purse. This Judas was a thief. 
Now, I wonder why, if the other disciples knew that Judas was a thief, then why allow him to be your treasurer? Maybe they didn't know he was such a thief until later. In any case, in this passage, on the eve of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Judas' attitude and line of questioning is deemed by the writer of John to be very undiscipleship-like. In his critique of Mary's action, Judas' righteous talk appears to be justifying his own selfish desires rather than truly lift up the poor, which was one of Jesus' main focal points in his earthly ministry. How often do we use righteous talk and spiritual language to justify ourselves? As an individual, how often do I speak in ways where I look out for my own interests, even if they outwardly look like they're aligned with the mission and work of Jesus on this earth? But would have Jesus say to me, Bob, leave it alone. As a community of faith, do we do this when we hold on to things that we really should let go of? Things that impede our ability to courageously and faithfully follow Jesus. This passage in John is somewhat of a turning point or a transitional passage. It looks back on a key event in Jesus' earthly ministry while looking forward to the upcoming week in which Jesus will go from exaltation to death on a cross. But this passage also looks forward to a hopeful future, to hope beyond that week. Just as the stink of a body lying dead in the tomb for four days, Lazarus was brought back to life and helped host a dinner for Jesus in which Mary's action filled the whole house with the fragrance of perfume. That smell probably literally stuck with Jesus for several days. And that smell probably stuck with Mary for a while too since she used her hair to wipe his feet. I will confess, I have never wiped anybody else's feet with my hair. It's not long enough, and I'd find it weird. But I have grown up on a dairy farm in southwestern Pennsylvania, and I can guarantee you the sweet smell of that dairy farm aroma stuck to my hair until I washed it out, sometimes days later. This passage is a turning point for Jesus' life on this earth. In chapter 11, he went from being moved to raise Lazarus from the dead to going into hiding because of the religious leaders. To chapter 12, where he courageously reemerged despite a death sentence on him and then eventual entry into Jerusalem. In this dinner event, he has a conversation with a thief and in a couple of days, he will be hanging on a cross between two thieves. But I also wonder about this hospitable dinner as an act of courage and a turning point in the lives of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Lazarus went from dead to alive and then to having a death sentence placed onto him. Martha and Mary also courageously conspired with Jesus, or at least helped to give space and a reason for Jesus to publicly reemerge. It would seem that being a true friend of Jesus is risky business and that Jesus needs courageous followers. 
as we prepare ourselves for a time of anointing this morning, I wonder about the many ways in which your lives, you are living in a turning point, a transition. As students, you are here at Goshen College for a few short years, and you're probably looking back as you're always thinking ahead to the future. For some of you, you are nearing the end of your college career and are looking beyond to what's next, as long as you can get through those last papers and exams. Some of you are anticipating wonderful summer, summer adventures and then anticipating your return to study here again in the fall or perhaps going on SST. As we prepare for anointing this morning, Engage in this act of anointing as a courageous act of love and discipleship and of radical hospitality. Just as Jesus was anointed in this passage, there will be three of us stationed here to anoint you. Bill Bourne will be in that aisle, Tamara Schantz will be in that aisle, and I will be up here to my left. Just as Mary was the anointer in this passage, there will also be a place where you can feel free to anoint a friend or anoint each other. There will be a place off to my right, a station with a couple of uh, vials of oil for you to anoint each other if you choose that. Or you can do both, anoint somebody and then also go receive additional anointing. We will anoint you in these words. I anoint you with the love of God. Go. And be moved to courageously love. I anoint you with the love of God. Go and be moved to courageously love. To prepare ourselves, Concordia, the wonderful men's group that we heard in the beginning of this chapel, will sing one song, Steal Away, and then Bev Lapp will lead us in congregational singing and we'll sing several songs, at which point you are free and welcome to get up, go receive anointing, anoint one another. And then Concordia will conclude our time with a song and then we'll have a final benediction afterwards.
We'll first sing Hymnal Worship Book number 247 after an introduction. We'll sing three verses and then have a short instrumental interlude before singing a few more. In the same book, let's sing 599. We'll hear it. We'll, we'll begin with an introduction from the instruments. And we'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4 with um, an instrumental interlude on verse 3. 
take out the, the purple songbook, sing the story. We'll sing number 121. Let's listen to it one time before we sing all three verses.
Please join me in closing prayer. God, you have anointed us with extravagant and sometimes even mystifying love. On this holy and sacred week, as we remember and reflect upon the love that you have shown us in Jesus, I pray that you might hold us close. Help us to be courageous like Lazarus. Inspire in us radical discipleship like Mary and Martha. As we follow you, O Christ, to the cross and beyond, may we keep our eyes fixed on you, not only in memory, but also seeking you this day and every day, seeking your face in everyone we meet. In your name we pray, amen. Go now, rooted in the radically extravagant love of our God.